Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. Coming at you from the morning after the night before of the European Film Awards. In this episode, we are going to feel the Vern and talk to Mr. Herzog the winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award and that is a pretty fantastic conversation and along with that we go to the next level of the Jumanji series. I'm Jake Cunningham and I'm joined here with Sam Hallett. Good morning. Sam, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling really fresh yes. and well-rested. That's exactly what every awards ceremony after party is all about. Getting home early <laughs> to your Which hotel and having a nice big sleep. Yeah, I didn't fall asleep in front of the TV watching uh, Premier League's biggest misses. <laughs> well, I think that won the uh, European Discovery Award, didn't <laughs> Yeah, that's it? right, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, we have a, a pretty incredible interview with Werner Herzog coming up. Um, uh, absolute dream of an interview. Yeah, uh, he really played the hits. <laughs> um, but before that, we're going to quickly give a little roundup of everything that happened yesterday at the European Film Awards. This is something that we've been coming to for a few years now. Um, we've been really lucky to bounce around from... Poland, Wroclaw uh, in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, and then here in Berlin a couple of years ago, and then last year in Seville. Uh, these were always a pretty amazing event, and a lot of the time um, there's going to be films included that haven't been released in the UK mm. yet, just because of the, the way that distribution can work. Uh, last year we were lucky enough to actually have worked on some of the big films with Curzon as well. Yeah, so last year's big winner was Cold War, which obviously Curzon released and was on Curzon Home Cinema. Uh, Dogman, which won Best Actor last year, was another Curzon film. Um, and then even the year before that, it was The Square, which was the big winner. So uh, it's always a good uh, award ceremony for Curzon. Yeah. Um, uh, but this, this year, it's felt kind of more like a preview for us because a lot of the films that were in competition other than pain and glory and the favorite mm. uh were are films that haven't been distributed in the uk yet yeah um, and so this was more like whetting our appetite of some stuff that we can look forward to so uh the nominees for european screenwriter were robert harris and roman polanski for an officer and a spy largely giordano 
Gerdolini, Alexis Menetti for Les Miserables, Pedro Almodovar for Pain and Glory, Celine Schiama for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and for an Italian film called The Traitor, it was Marco Bellocchio, Francesco Piccolo, Ludovica Rampoldi, and Valia Santella. And the winner was uh, Celine Schiama for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, and every year they do this great thing. I know like lots of screenwriting uh, awards will do exactly this, where they have the script scrolling down mm. one side of the screen as the scene plays out on the other. Um, but that, that script for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I mean, it looks like a, a novel. <laughs> yeah, so it's not out in the UK yet. It comes out in February in cinemas and on Cousin Home Cinema. And I have lucky enough to be in contact with people who've read the script and they say it is you could just read that and be blown away like even without seeing the film like it's a really incredible piece of writing on its own yeah and uh, a really deserved win for celine yeah um a bit odd that that one didn't find itself in the category of best film considering yeah. the other nominations uh, where we'll find it as well um because for me that that is one of the best films that's at least yeah, been released definitely. in europe um this year and i can't wait for that one to be back out in the uk okay so let's move on to european actor then so the nominees for this were ingvar sigurdsson for a white white day jean dujardin for an officer and a spy levan gelbachiani for and then we danced alexander Scheer for gunderman antonio banderas for pain and glory and pierre francesco favino for the traitor uh and i think there was a clear favourite in this category, someone who has won a lot of awards for this already, uh, and that is Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Uh, his best best performance of his career, I think. Everyone's pretty unanimously agreed. Yeah, uh, he is fantastic in this film. He yeah. won the Best Actor Award at Cannes for it. Um, and it was really sweet at the ceremony. He, uh, he was Skyping in because he was doing his own... Uh, theatre production very much like this is a, like a the character in glory yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that you need to phone in for your awards yeah um but i'm sure everyone is familiar with the antonio banderas uh computer gif meme <laughs> uh and seeing him have to turn on his computer and look look excited whilst collecting an award um was wonderful yeah it's really great uh, we should also point out that levan Gilbacchiani from And Then We Danced. Uh, Jake got mistaken for him and someone asked for his autograph yes. yesterday. Yes, uh, I was very sorry to disappoint that man. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'll take it. Uh, people seem to like him and like that film. So very happy about my success. Okay, then moving on to European actress. So for Beanpole, we have Victoria Miroshinchenko uh, for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's a no, joint nomination. Yeah. Uh, Naomi Malant and Adele Hanel. Uh, for Queen of Hearts, Trin Deerholm. For System Crusher, Helena Zengel. And for The Favourite, Olivia Coleman. Um, so, I th- yeah, the, the joint nomination for Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a really interesting and quite a nice gesture, just to kind of say, like, this film, because, you know, obviously there's the whole thing with the Oscars where, like, category forward, like, someone has to be lead, someone has to be supporting, and often you know, you think maybe they don't make the right decision in that or it's more tactical, whereas here it's a real kind of show that this is a two-hander film. Mm. They have equal weight in the film and you can't just nominate one without the other. Like, both of those performances kind of rely on the other one. Yeah, I absolutely agree and think that was a great thing to do, but it was not the winner. It was not. That was uh, obviously 
Olivia Coleman for the favourite, so she won the BAFTA this year. She, I think, is still considered a surprise win for the Oscar mm. that she beat Glenn Close. Um, and yeah, a well deserved win. Like they showed a clip. So obviously, the favourite. I think a lot of people saw the favourite over a year ago now. Mm. Um, and it was nice to see the clips and remind us how great she is in that film. Oh yeah, uh, and we'll we'll get ahead to European comedy as well, but how funny her performance is yeah. as well i mean people will get mistaken that an awards performance has to be quite a serious one as well and obviously she does have those serious moments like particularly when she's talking about her children mm. and the rabbits like it's got that depth to it but she's just really funny as well yeah it's a really broadly comic performance yeah okay so european director then so the nominees were roman polanski for an officer and a spy Pedro Almodovar for Pain and Glory, Celine Siama for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favourite, and Marco Bellocchio for The Traitor. Now, I'm starting to notice a trend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, this one went to Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favourite. Yeah, you can see where this is heading. Uh, (laughs) We've encountered this uh, the last few years, where there's just been something that has totally swept it. That has been... Cold War, The Square, Tony Erdman, and Yorgos was sadly not around to be able to pick up his director award, but thoroughly well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. So, European documentary then, the nominees were For Summer, Honeyland, Putin's Witnesses, Selfie, and The Disappearance of My Mother, and I think this is another one where there was one clear standout, and that's For Summer, mm. uh, which has had an incredible year. Um and is really smashing it on the on the awards uh, circuit so far. Yeah, and I think people should be looking to it as an, an Oscar film as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, for documentary, it it has had uh, an incredible life through through festivals, through TV broadcast. It actually broadcasts um, on Channel Four. Um, it's it's a Channel Four news film, um, which is not something that crops up no. that often, um, and. It's. I think it's managed to break out of just being a festival documentary. Yeah. Um, that it has had mainstream conversation about it. Absolutely. Uh, so let's move on then to European comedy. So there's only three nominees for this award, and that's uh, Dita and Louise, Tel Aviv on Fire, and The Favorite. And obviously, this went to The Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, as we were saying, it is a really funny film like it's a genuinely great comedy yeah it's not just like a drama with funny bits no and it's it's got these fabulously silly bits as well it's not yeah. afraid to just do some slapstick at points as well like there, there is jokes that will reveal themselves across the length of the film but then sometimes you just need a funny dance <laughs> and that's just as good or a duck race yeah um what I, I mean, they mentioned that it took 20 years for that script to actually yeah. get made yeah. across different writers, different directors, and just what luck and what reward for it to eventually land with Yorgos Lanthimos and that team. And they're getting a a well-deserved celebration of that at these awards. So then finally, uh, European film, it was An Officer and a Spy, Les Miserables, Pain and Glory, System Crusher, The Favourite and The Traitor. And obviously that went to the favourite as well, uh, capping off its night with eight wins. Yes, so it previously won in the Excellence Awards, which are given out in advance. Um, So that was for 
uh, editing, cinematography, production design, costume design. Mm -hmm. So picked up four in advance and then another four on the night. So it's eight in total and it does make it the most successful film in the European Film Awards history. Yeah, very impressive. Um, there is a couple of uh, other awards that we haven't mentioned that were announced specifically for uh, individual achievements. Uh, one was to Juliette Binoche for um, the European achievement, in, achievement in World Cinema Award. Yes, um, and that was really nice because Claire Denis came up and presented it to her and due to some... <laughs> Uh, poor work at the airport. Uh, Claire Denis' luggage had been lost, but she told us about the outfit that she was going to be wearing, and it, it sounded great. Um, but her biker jacket looked even cooler. And in a way, you'd kind of want Claire Denis well, to be want doing. Claire Denis to wear anything on stage other than a biker jacket. Yeah. Um, and she presented Juliette Vino. She uh, came up and was wonderful and had there was a great montage that played with that yeah, that, that was, was actually really well, really well cut yeah, together. And you just, yeah, the breadth of performance mm. that she's shown over however many decades is amazing. Um, and yes, that was great. But there was another achievement award. There was. Th and this was my highlight of the night. <laughs> I think it was probably everyone's. Yeah. So uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award went to the great German director, Werner Herzog. Uh, and instead of just presenting it normally, the European Film Awards decided to bring an opera singer out on a boat and then sing an aria dedicated to the life and work of Werner Herzog. And it went on for a good old 10 minutes. Uh, but it was really, really good. Yeah. And uh, then Wim Wenders came on stage and sung... Nothing compares to you. To, to Werner Herzog. Herzog. <laughs> oh, I love these awards. <laughs> um, gosh, it, sometimes it, it's like the Oscars and... Eurovision doing a panto yeah. it's so much fun um, and you're never going to encounter that odd new German cinema karaoke situation anywhere else <laughs> um, but we were lucky enough to actually speak to Werner Herzog and share a conversation with him and a, a few other journalists um, we're really happy to be able to bring that to you on the show Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to play you a couple of snippets of that conversation. Um, so to start with, we asked uh, Werner Herzog what he thought of European cinema. I think European cinema per se doesn't really exist. Thanks God it doesn't exist. Uh, there are too many uh, cultural identities 
and it's very good that we have, uh, uh, for example, Romanian films and Danish films and Austrian films, and in my case, even more regional Bavarian films that I make. So I think nobody should try to improve anything. Let it, let it be the unruly child. And thank you, Werner, for our, on our, introducing our episode on the European Film Awards by telling us that European cinema does not exist. <laughs> um, but something that does exist in his films throughout his career is that balance between narrative fiction and documentary work. And he was more than happy to tell us a bit more about where the lines cross between the two. Well, you should be you should be cautious to speak about documentary films that I uh, supposedly make. There are most of them are, uh, are feature films in disguise. They <laughs> pretend to be documentaries, but they are not. Of course, there are straightforward documentaries like the film Meeting Gorbachev. You just do your job, and and that's it. But. Uh, Many of the films I've made uh, are invented, I speak of documentaries, partially scripted, repeated, cast, all things like you do in in a feature film. So I've I've not really left feature filmmaking. In my very last film that I released uh, this uh, spring at Cannes Film Festival was a feature film in Japan, in Japanese language. It's, it's a very deep question what constitutes truth in, in poetry or in music or in, in cinema and it has uh, engaged my mind uh, for a long time and uh, people sometimes say yes, uh, in, in documentaries you should not invent, yes but I do and I do it for the sake of a deeper truth a deeper stratum of truth and um, my witness, my witness are people like, for example, uh, Michelangelo, uh, who created the Pietà, and that's my best example. Uh, when you look at uh, uh, the Man of Sorrows, Jesus from taken from the cross, you look in the face of a 33-year-old man, but when you look at his mother, the mother of the 33-year-old man is 17. So. My question is, did Michelangelo try to cheat us? <laughs> did he try to tell us a lie? Did he try to give us fake news? <laughs> so, no, on the contrary, he, he shows us the deeper, the deeper truth about uh, uh, Jesus and his mother Mary. And then once he got rid of his, uh, his typical Herzogian philosophical musings on art, he proceeded to tell us his favourite story about getting shot. Yeah, uh, but then went even further and told us about various other times. Yeah, <laughs> someone uh, also tried to shoot him. So yeah, strap in. This is a this is a journey. <laughs> um, this is amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, I mentioned about Herzog playing the hits, and this is that and more. Well, I could see, uh, I could see that this was an insignificant bullet, <laughs> and it, that that expression became famous. <laughs> I I could tell it. It actually perforated my leather jacket and I had a catalogue, a folded up catalogue. It it went through everything in the trousers and the shirt and the underwear, but it did not penetrate my my abdominal cavity. That would have been worse. 
So I was just bleeding. And, and I could tell this was not, it wasn't that serious. So the, the only thing was it was surprising because um, <clears throat> it, it was in a way announced because across the street from a balcony there was a crazy man yelling at us. And um, I was talking to the BBC journalist and the camera was at a slight angle. And I, I thought it, there was an explosion, and I thought the camera somehow it, it exploded, and I looked at the camera because it felt like a metal piece, a glowing, let's say, one kilo metal piece, glowingly hot had hit me here. But it, there was nothing, so the camera was intact, so and then I saw the gunman. And I had the feeling, yeah, he should have better shot at my head <laughs> if he really wanted to kill me off. <laughs> So, and and I have been shot at more seriously before in my life. I mean, much more serious, with much bigger, much bigger uh, caliber ammunition. One was uh, when I did um, a ballad of the little soldier. I was with a commando unit, and most of the commando unit were child soldiers, eight, nine, ten years old but an elite command unit and uh, we were, it was very unpleasant because we were shot at when we crossed the river between Honduras and Nicaragua and it's in the jungle and we observed the jungle of the other side with binoculars all day long and all night long and half the day nothing, no movement, absolutely nothing and the moment we were out in the middle of the river where you are very visible and that's unpleasant we came under fire mm. and it was assault rifle fire and they are they are very unpleasant and you see the impact mm. of the bullets in, you can see it because it's fountains of water coming up so uh, that was more serious for example mm. I was almost shot dead once uh, when I was 17 by police in Munich, almost, almost, by a policewoman. Uh, it's something like at two in the morning at the canal that leads to the Nymphenburg Castle, and I was working as a welder in a steel factory there, right near there, and uh, I was out, and it was one of these early balmy June nights, and in a way I behaved suspiciously and all of a sudden, and I saw, for example, a car. There were always lovers along these benches under the trees, and every bench was lovers and kissing young couples. And in one car, I saw a, a young man and a woman. The woman only had a T-shirt, and the hand of the man was under her T-shirt, and I pretended not seeing it. Uh, and... So there was something happened which I shouldn't tell you, but uh, all of a sudden, the entire, all the benches come alive and screaming and the door swings open with this young woman and she has a pistol held on top of the, of the swung open door and yelled at me, freeze. But I didn't freeze. I ran into the canal, which was almost emptied was only water as high as this and a big splash and the moment I reached the other 
riverbank she shot she fired a shot which almost hit me it, uh, because I had the splash of the mud coming into my face so she had missed me and, and it turned out reason behind all this which I didn't know is there was a, a very dangerous sex offender who uh, was attacking young lovers in the cars and on the benches uh, on gunpoint and he would stab the women in their breasts with a pair of scissors and then flee and every single uh, couple of lovers was police every single and in the car every single one was police they were all decoys and then so the big thing that hurts us at the moment is of course the mandalorian uh, which is currently on disney plus in the states uh, which is the star wars tv show so he told us a bit about how he came to be on the mandalorian i was invited yeah. do you know why uh, yes, I think I, I know why. Uh, one reason is uh, those who make these films know I'm competent. Mm. I'm, I'm good in, in doing this kind of shady characters, not trustworthy and rather dangerous, if anything <laughs> at all. And second, um, John Favreau, the mastermind behind, behind all this, is a great fan of my films and he said to me I want I want people out in the world to know who is the man who did these films you should be seen so and I had the feeling yeah why not and I can do the job well and I like to uh, to step out from behind the camera and do something in front of the camera but uh, I've had many offers, but very few I have accepted, like Jack Reacher. Mm. Jack Reacher, because um, I had to, I had to frighten the audience. I had to be a frightful uh, figure on, on the screen, and I knew I could do that. And again, I, I did not compete. I, I didn't go to any castings. I was simply invited. Now, something that came out of the conversation that I really loved hearing about was Herzog's editing process uh, and we hear all of these stories about nightmare edits like like an apocalypse now or something or these things that spend four years on a shelf trying to figure out how to make it work and he, he said that yeah I don't need that much time to edit need to get Grizzly Man turned around in eight days fine yeah <laughs> and then this anecdote turns into a story about writing a query on a football booze bus enjoy um, I'm not a workaholic my, my days in the editing room are never longer than five hours, maybe maximum six hours and that I feel that's enough because I, I would edit uh, something like 10-15 minutes final cut per day so in six days eight days, ten days I can, I can edit a feature film Grizzly Man was edited in nine days, uh, but without much effort. It, and it was only because the production company said to me, oh, this looks great, and it would be a wonderful film for Sundance. And it was in September when I was editing. And I said, oh, yeah, easily, because <coughs> Sundance is in winter, in, in January or so, end of January. Yes, I can do it, and I was told, no, but there's a glitch, and I said, what is it? Um, 
submission end is very soon, and they said, how soon? In 10 days. <laughs> uh, and I was asked, can you try to put something together we could present? I said, no, not something. I always do final cut, let me try. And in nine days, I, I did the fin final cut of it and recorded and wrote the commentary and recorded it and mixed it in. And uh, screenplay like Akere, I wrote in two and a half days on a bus with my <laughs> football team. Everybody <laughs> drunk on the bus. <laughs> you know, I not not riding like this. I had at that time. I had a typewriter, a flat, these small travel typewriters, hmm. and and it was noisy because for our we we had uh, international games in Italy, and. For our hosts, we brought two barrels of Bavarian beer. <laughs> and uh, our team captain had the idea that we shouldn't uh, waste too much time and just try it out whether the beer was good. <laughs> <laughs> so they started by, by the time we reached uh, the Austrian border, everybody was already drunk. <laughs> and our... Our goalie vomited over my typewriter oh. at one point, <laughs> and I lost a few pages. I had to throw them out. They were beyond repair. <laughs> so, and that's how I wrote Akere. And so not only did Werner enjoy boozing it up on the footy bus, uh, he did occasionally play the game as well, and uh, we loved hearing a little bit more about where you might find Werner on a football pitch. That's interesting that you're asking. Uh, I started out as a last man, as goalkeeper, and I was fairly good, but I had an injury. I, I dislocated my elbow. The, I bent the elbow the wrong way. Mm. So and, and then I played uh, centre forward. I was good as a front man because I, I could read the game. I, everybody in the team was faster Everybody in the team was technically better than me, but I was good at scoring goals because I could read the game better than the others, and I, I would score most of the goals because I was in, in the right position. And, and I had some sort of a kamikaze attitude. Everybody, a defense, after, after five minutes, a defense knows that one wants to score. So you immediately attract two defensive players two or three or sometimes mm -hmm. four, which leaves wide open gaps for, for, your, for your other uh, attacking players. Mm -hmm. So in, in that respect, I, I was good for the team. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I was the lousiest. Doing something athletic is natural for filmmaking. And, and originally, I, I wanted to become an athlete. So that was my, my dream was to be a ski jumper, ski flyer. And I was seriously into training, and I probably would have become uh, a fairly high level in, in that sport. But it ended very early and very abruptly because of a near-fatal accident of my best friend. So that stopped it from, from one second to the next. It was over. And finally, uh, we ended our conversation with Werner Herzog as he told us how much he hates film school and uh, what a version of a Werner Herzog film school would look like. And that was great because you and I both have film degrees. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Cheers, Vern. I, I can only say it summarily. I, I think uh, uh, they, 
quite often disqualify young people to really make daring, new, innovative stuff. Um, films in film schools, you are held w way too long prisoner of a school. They have way too much film theory, which is the death of cinema. <laughs> and um, I have the feeling there should be a more guerrilla-style approach. What you have to learn for, for making uh, movies, you can learn in a week, easily, easily. The very basic principles, all the rest you cannot learn anyway. Film schools are good, let's say, if you... Um, if you become a cinematographer or if you become an editor or if you become um, a, a digital uh, in, in the digital domain if you want to do color corrections and things like that that's, that's craft that you have to learn and for that they are okay but otherwise in, uh, I have started my own film school the Rogue film school where um, as I have announced it, you only learn two things, and I, I get over this in the first 30 minutes. Number one, how to uh, pick safety locks. How do you open a, a door like this here, and how, how do you break into it? And second, how do you forge a document like a shooting permit? And I have done it quite often. And Forgery of documents is fine. Uh, any idiot can do it, ultimately, but the real thing is you must not get caught. So, and that's a bigger effort. Amazing. All right. Th thank you, Werner Herzog, oh, for wow. uh, an incredible conversation. Um, and, yeah, a perfect compliment to the weird and wonderful weekend that is the <laughs> European Film Awards. Yeah, he's just on fire for that whole thing. Is he? Does he know that we love hearing this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. He, he just knows. wants to own the yeah. room. Yeah, he really does. He 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 is an incredible man. Um, and we love spending time with him. We love spending time here in Berlin uh, for the awards. Um, but as we mentioned, though, these are all films that are going to be coming out soon uh, or in the next twelve months, even. Uh, they are not films that are out now, so we should probably quickly mention something that is going to be in cinemas very soon as well, just in case people have come to the podcast for that. <laughs> uh, Sam, have you been welcomed to the jungle? I've been welcomed to the jungle. Mm, but you haven't been to the next level. I haven't made the next level. Yeah, this is the Jumanji franchise. Uh, you're a fan of Robin Williams? Big Do fan of the first Jumanji film. I actually rewatched it a couple of weeks ago, and... Uh, it's kind of a devastating film in yeah. a way that he, uh, you know, this child is trapped in the jungle for uh, 30 years or something, 20, 30 years. Um, and yeah, and he comes back and his his parents are dead and his life is gone. It's a really strange and really bleak sort of uh, setup for the film. Um, but no, I love that film. I love the sort of, I remember the sort of the practical spiders and then the vines and uh, do you remember the cop, no. Soul Man? No. Who like makes he tries to make he works in the shoe factory in the beginning. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> well, the first Jumanji is great, and then obviously a few years ago we had Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, which is not well. It's a kind of sequel, but it's sort of reinventing it instead of a board game. It's a video game, obviously, and that film was a 
huge i think it's quite a surprising success that made huge amounts of money it's like yeah. 900 million at the box yeah. office and it was competing with uh, the last jedi mm. so i think people expected it to just get completely blown away by that but i think it was a real contender um i think part of that comes from the fact that people love the rock they love kevin hart they love jack black but I think there was a real feeling of nostalgia for Jumanji mm. because that's a film that kind of did okay when it first came out, but wasn't. it took a while for it to become a classic. And that was a lot of sharing VHSs, yeah, exactly. sleepover parties, watching Jumanji. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where like, the people that grew up with Jumanji mm. are now adults and can like really like push the fact that that is yeah, a great it's, it's kids the, film. It's that Jurassic World thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what did you make of that reboot? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's a great concept that they've done. So uh, instead of getting sucked into a board game, sucked into a video game, as I say, and it, you know, it has this fun of playing around with the kind of conventions of a video game. Well, it's a body swap film as well as it yeah, is an exactly. adventure film. Yeah. Um, and so you have these yeah, these teens that then become the avatars yeah. in the game. Um, so you've got like the scrawny nerd is the rock. Yeah. Um, and... I know it's silly, um, like Jack Black is being like an Instagram girl. And that joke should not run for two hours and still be funny. Works. Yet it is, yeah. Yeah, I think they... they where, yeah, where that film works is the actors. So they absolutely nailed the casting on every level. Um, but how does it fare on the next level? Yes, uh, the next level, Jumanji 3, but also weirdly feels like Jumanji 2 yes. at the same time, um, is... Yeah, it's good. It's uh, I don't know if it's as good as Welcome to the Jungle. Mm -hmm. I don't think the script is as funny because there's a mechanic that's introduced in this mm -hmm. new one where the characters are not playing the same characters they were in the previous one. And I think, as you mentioned, they were such a good fit, those personas mm. for who they'd be playing. Yeah. Um, and those are mixed up in this one. It does mean that we get uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover uh, being introduced and having the hot young actors having to play versions of them, which is funny, but you do kind of lose the connection that you had to them right. from the first one. Um, however, something that I really like about this is how it really uses video game mechanics. I think as a, more of a position of safety, mm -hmm. that second Jumanji film really was familiar to the film. It really felt like the first one. It was not using the video game element. It felt like just getting in the game again. It felt yep. like Jumanji, which is fine. It's safe. Um, but this one uses elements from a video game like a side quest, mm. uh, a bonus life, a bonus item, uh, that there are parts of the film that reflect a part of a video game that would require rhythm and skill mm. rather than it would just running and jumping and getting away from people. Um, sure. Which I think the first sequel did a lot of. And I, I liked that. I really liked the lean into how it would work as a video game. What is really interesting is that Jake Kasdan, who is the director of this, the son of Lawrence Kasdan, mm. whose credits go from Raiders of the Lost Ark all the way to solo a star wars story and so much stuff in between um he directed the previous jumanji film he w wasn't a writer on that and he is a credited writer on this one and it is so indiana jones mm. um like there is stuff in here that 
is like straight out of Temple of Doom. Yeah. Like the plot revolves around an amber jewel being stolen from uh, an indigenous village. And in doing so, that village has kind of lost its soul <laughs> and life and the crops are dying. Mm. Uh, and it is so Temple. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, you've got these jumping across rope bridges that are going to be cut down. <laughs> it's so familiar. But it works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Temple of Doom is the most video game Indiana Jones film, isn't it? Where it's very much like this set piece, and then this set piece, yeah. and then this like, set piece. Like, here's your minecart chase. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, but it, it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, yeah. As I said, I don't think it's as good as the previous one. But the previous one is a little bit lightning in a bottle, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no one expected that to do as well as it yeah. did, particularly going up against a Star Wars. And they are trying to yeah, strike lightning twice. Yeah, uh, They're going up against Star Wars again. And maybe that will work. There will be a lot of families looking for things to watch. Maybe they've already seen Star Wars. They want to go to the cinema again. Yeah. Or maybe they're just uh, ruined Johnson. Uh, Last Jedi killed Star Wars. <laughs> dedicated family. And they just want something else. <laughs> uh, uh, and maybe that's where Jumanji will shine. Um, but... Uh, yeah it's a good one and so Jumanji is in cinemas um, but we obviously want to flag what's available at home just in case you don't want to be seeing Jumanji the next level well if you don't want to see Jumanji the next level why don't you watch uh, a three hour Chinese tragedy drama yeah yeah absolutely Uh, or why not double bill them (laughs) Uh, yeah Solo My Son and Jumanji Solo My Son, you can watch it on Cousin Home Cinema. Uh, it is getting um, some of the best reviews of the year. Um, so everyone's starting to do their sort of best of the year lists now, and it's cropping up on a lot of those. Um, I do think it's worth the time. I really do. Solo My Son is a really remarkable film. Uh, we spoke about it on last week's podcast, so uh, if you're interested in what we thought of it, you can go back and listen to that. But yeah, I would highly recommend you catching up with Solo My Son. Yeah, uh, we spoke about that on the podcast last week, uh, along with Honey Boy, the mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf semi-biopic, which is really good and worth seeking out as well, if you can find it. Um, but that's about it for another year at the European Film Awards. It's been strange. Uh, it's been Herzog-filled. And frankly, I wouldn't have these awards <laughs> any other way. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. Whilst you're there, if you could leave us a review or a comment, that'd be wonderful as well. Uh, you can keep up with us on Twitter. Uh, Sam, you're over there as... At Sam Howler underscore one. And I'm there as at Jake H. Cunningham. And that's really about it. So we must say, Alfie to say. <laughs>